Hello, welcome to the after show. It's Friday night, uh, my favorite night of the week on Narrative TV. And we're here, of course, as we always are, with Greg Oliar from Prevail. How are you, Greg? Um, I'm better than Brett Kavanaugh's doing today. I'll tell you that. Yes, we'll get to that a little bit later on. And and you're better than LB's doing today, unfortunately, because I know. LB's only here by voice today. I can see her, but you can only hear her voice. So hi, LB. Is this me? Am I this here? Is you. This is you. This is my technical okay. competence as well. Um, hi, how are you? you? Why are you? Why are we looking at a picture of you in a looking glamorous and fabulous? But uh, what's going on? A photographer is so fabulous. Yeah. Um, I'm flat on my back. Sorry, everybody. At like two thirty, <laughs> I just stood up to get myself going, and then I went right down onto the ground and. Uh, my back went out. So it had to happen a long, long time. But boy, when that happens, it just sort of, anyway. So you're amazing I'm that you're still doing the show. I mean, that's really good of you. <laughs> well, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm just, I'm here. I actually happen to be alone at this moment. So uh, I just, you guys are all I've got. Um, <laughs> We're here for you. But, uh, okay, good. <laughs> um, Greg, you mentioned Kavanaugh's story. That's interesting that he's uh, he's been struck by COVID-19 just a week before they're about to start their uh, open hearings or their normal hearings in the Supreme Court. Yeah, I don't know what they're, I don't know, is the Supreme Court anti-vax now too? I don't know. I don't really understand Well, depending it. who you um, ask, yeah. Hmm. I'm sure a few of them so. might be. Didn't Ginny Thomas support the insurrection? She might be supporting the anti-vax movement as well, so. You know. Thoughts and prayers to him. I, I, I really do wish him a, a full and speedy recovery so he can answer the many questions we have about him without blaming it on COVID. <laughs> That's right. There was a fantastic photograph of him out today. Because oh. I, I guess he's a runner of some sort. Um, do, do you know what he was? He's a marathoner or I don't know what he does, <laughs> what he's doing out here. But he's, but he's doing something. Let's put up this photo and uh, take a look at what this look at this face. This is the Supreme Court Justice, everybody. Brett Kavanaugh. As he crosses the finish line Wednesday at the ACLI Capital Challenge, is this a is this a race or is this some kind of drinking contest? I don't see the kegs. He is making a face as if he's just done a keg stand. He, that he's he, particularly proud of. <laughs> you uh, know, he's done that face before. He's he well, knows how to. That's not his first time. Um, that's also a Washington <laughs> Nationals hat, which I'm sure he wore when he went to the to the baseball games with his buddies who bought all that those season tickets that he that he went in on you know he's method acting here with the with the washington nationals hat i mean look wow. he found time to do this which is impressive i'm you know i didn't run a marathon which is whatever it is that he's running there so good for him maybe he could spend some more time uh, being like a fair justice and, and passing good judgments from the court which is a tall measure to ask for him i was going to ask you about something else about kavanaugh it wasn't really planned but there was an art and i apologize if i'm throwing a curveball at you guys but there was an article about mm. all this this weekend all this week about whether um who, who put out the article? About about the Mother Jones? Yes, the Mother, the Mother Jones, Jones article. article. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Which basically focused on just one piece of the Kavanaugh scandal, the, the fact that he may have gotten money from his father to pay off his loans or to pay his house, one of those two facts. It didn't really take the whole uh, scandal into account. And it sort of, to me, only only really spoke to the one as aspect of it, which isn't necessarily the most controversial piece of it, because really it's, that's not the point. The point is that he lied. Yeah, he perjured yeah. himself, and and th that article was called "Here's the Truth About Brett Kavanaugh's Finances," and I wrote a rebuttal because she quotes me in the piece right up front. She quotes me in, in a recent piece that I wrote, and not from the five part series that LB and I wrote 
and she sort of derisively but she identifies does reference me. that. Yeah, she does. She does reference yeah. the derisively. Where, yeah, derisively. Yeah, yeah. You know. So yeah. I wrote a thing on Tuesday called "Here's the Truth About Brett Kavanaugh's Finances" because she's she's writing this thing as if it hasn't occurred to anyone that his wealthy old man is underwriting his existence. And of course it has occurred to us. Yeah. We wrote about it <laughs> yes. and it's very likely that that's the case. The right. problem is he didn't, he didn't fucking say so. And he needs to, and yeah. we need to know. And that she doesn't even say in the articles Zev. I don't know if you, if you read it, she, yeah, I read the her whole thing. grand point is that, well, obviously if you know anything, you know, it's one of these, these, well, if you know anything about uh, the tax law and the tax code and the blah, yeah. blah, blah, you know, that uh, you don't have to disclose uh, gifts from parents on these things, blah, 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 blah. And then she says, it seems as if his father paid and she used the word seems. Yes. Which being a novelist as she, <laughs> you know, identifies me, I happen to know that the word seems means she has no fucking idea. Right. And the problem with that kind of uh, quote unquote journalism is it is an opinion piece that is taking the perjurer's word mm-hmm. for what he did. So it's like without actually looking at the perjury itself. And it proves the perjury. It. Well, act- it proves the perjury. But here's what she did. Mm-hmm. Here's what she did. She then also imbued the word bribe into the discourse. Now, yep. neither Greg or I have ever said that Kavanaugh mm-hmm. took bribes. Right. That is not what the references of him being owned exactly. and why we use that very specific terminology that he is owned. This is a semantic war. And this woman has uh, this journal, whatever, whatever the hell she is. She injected a word that indicates a criminality that we never accuse this man of, but also no one is accusing him of that. And so what happens is now Brett Kavanaugh, if he's faced with the perjury, will confuse that terminology and the folks around him to defend him of conflating the discourse with you're accusing him of taking bribes. He's never taken bribes. This is all a witch hunt. And we're back into that horse shit again. Yep. And so I want everyone to be very acutely aware that this is a game. It's the woman that wrote this for Mother Jones is either knowingly, wittingly, or unwittingly playing into an offensive bullshit strike on mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh's behalf because they can't answer for the perjury. The perjury exactly. is provable. It's demonstrable. We did it. And this is all we're trying to get call this man on the carpet for. And it cannot be answered by his team. So they have to come up with all this other horse shit and right. conflate us, uh, conflate what we're saying, try to make it sound like we're making accusations that can't be substantiated. The FBI, the 4,500 FBI, which also I don't think that was mentioned in our article. No, that's what I'm saying. The half the scandal isn't even there. But, it's like missing. Not even there. So White House has, you know, the FBI director. It has been called to the carpet by Senator Whitehouse. I don't. I don't know how many days are left. Maybe only a few. It might be yeah. by next yeah, week. Yeah, I think it's. it's it, clock is, is ticking. I think it's clock ticking. is ticking. So that article had a timing to it that it, I found incredibly suspect. Right. So we'll see. You know. And I got to say, uh, uh, Professor gonna, Tribe yeah, we'll chimed see. in too on that and basically yeah. backed it up. And he's wrong there too. And I hate to say that to the Harvard professor, but I mean, it's just not right what he's saying. This is, it's missing the point of the story. And there is a huge investigation that needs to be done. You know, this is not something that 
the American people could stand for. We really need to keep our attention on the scandal, you know, not by the word of this particular journalist or, or even Professor Tribe in this case, because they're wrong. They're just wrong. This perjury is perjury. The other thing is, you know, he didn't come right out and say it. He was asked where the money came from, and he said this, that, and the other. As she pointed out in the article, he hid behind this legalese bullshit. But he mm. never comes right out and says, yeah, my family gave me the money. So there's two reasons why he didn't do that. The first reason being he's somehow ashamed or embarrassed. I've heard that said a lot. Like, look, if you're ashamed that your father is rich and you've lived the way that you've lived, gone to prep school, gone to Yale undergrad, gone to Yale law, and he's presumably bankrolling you for the, your entire existence. Why are you ashamed? Right, There's nothing exactly. to be ashamed of. You're about to be a Supreme and if Court you justice. Are, if you are such a weak person and your self-regard is that fucking weak that you can't mm -hmm. admit that for a, one of nine positions on the Supreme Court, then you don't belong there. That's A. That's one reason why he, why it's it's guessed, why it seems <laughs> like, like he didn't answer. Yeah. The other reason would be because it isn't that. He wants it to seem right. like it's his dad who bankrolled him when in fact it is not. Those are the two possibilities. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two possibilities. So, you know, because otherwise, or he's just trolling us and he's an asshole. I suppose that's a possibility <laughs> too. You know, he's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to torment Greg and LB. Yes. <laughs> by, by this ridiculous answer. And that's what I'm going to do. I don't think that I'm important enough to justify that. So, you know, well, not that, at the time that's of his, uh, at the time yeah, of his the, uh, the confirmation. Um, yeah, you're right. What I, I want to say something here. Mm. Here's what I care about. I know that it's the, it, the series is called Who Owns Kavanaugh because that was a hashtag that actually uh, pierced people's brains. Right. Okay. And that is so the questions. The questions are to lean into all the financial discrepancies around this guy, but there's more to way more that we pulled out and what we were actually looking at there and what I care about. I don't really care who's holding the, who paid the debt. I think I care that the American people know this, but I care that there's a machinery sitting behind the weaponization of the Supreme court. Exactly. I yep. care about that. I care about this man's participation in that. I care that he's a liar mm. and a perjurer and he had no compunction to sit there in two confirmation hearings, the first one for the circuit, and then this one for that we just went through in 2018, and lie his ass off, and we can prove the lies now, especially with 2006 lies, because a whole bunch of information came out after that, and as soon as Senator Leahy and Senator Booker were bringing that to the forefront of his 2018 confirmation hearing for the Supreme Court, we get Christine Blasey Ford. I care about the timing of that. I care about the forces behind that. I care that this whole system has been gained by dark operatives and that we don't know who's controlling and owning them. Exactly. I care about how the amicus, the amica briefs are getting, are working their way up. I care about this gamesmanship around reversing precedent, right? And that had the long game that's being played and the intersection there with all these fucking rock the Republican attorney general's association and the state laws, this is what I care about. I care about corruption mm -hmm. and why other people don't care about corruption is beyond me mm -hmm. and why that is mm -hmm. such a difficult story to tell for anybody, whether they're from Mother Jones to Lawrence Tribe to just focus on the fucking corruption mm -hmm. is beyond me. So, yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm laying here in pain with my back out right flat as I can be 
still fucking working my ass off, still on narrative live because I care about fucking corruption. And for five years, I'm trying to bring it to an end. Just bring it to daylight. Let's just fucking expose some shit and have some daylight on it so we can make some decisions. And every turn we take, out comes someone from seemingly, you know, an impartial news or whatever, mm-hmm. poo-pooing it, collapsing it, making it about something that is it's nowhere near what we're talking about or what we're trying to bring right to. And then some scholar, right, uh, that can't keep up with it all is fucking weighing in to put the thumb on the scale for an ego boost. Yeah. Fuck all of you. How about that? How about that for my fucking bed? I say that to all of you. Fuck you all. Start focusing on the corruption. Can we not have a corrupt? I don't want to be Belarus. No. (laughs) We like to have a democracy. It works for us. Jesus. You know, and you didn't even mention the 4,500. And there's the, you know, the White House in cahoots with uh, the FBI director to hide 4,500 tips. I mean, that's, that's just, you know. What's going on here? This is not the way the American justice system ever w- worked before, and it's certainly not the way we should be appointing judges to the um, Supreme Court. But you talk a lot about corruption there, and it's a good segue into the other big story of the day, which is the sensational roadblock, I guess, that these two people have done to uh, the... Oh, for God, just a clown. <laughs> they are clowns. Good for you. That's yes, I quite enjoyed putting together this little poster because... You know, it fits so well with these two. It's really interesting. I mean, basically, it's not over yet, of course, for the Biden agenda. This uh, $3.5 trillion, you know, infrastructure bill is not going to pass as a $3.5 trillion bill. Now, that's pretty clear. They're offering these two, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, are offering to start at $1.5 trillion now, which is kind of a haircut. I mean, it's a very serious haircut to the initial plan. The way Biden is anticipating he can deal with this is merely by shortening the number of years that he's spending the money. So the current plan is $3.5 trillion over 10 years. Well, they're going to say, well, we'll just spend $1.5 trillion over four years. It'll be a four-year infrastructure plan instead. I don't know if that's going to fly, but that's the plan, I think, coming out of the Democratic caucus this evening. But these two people, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, are, you know, barely Democrats. I mean, you could, you, they are by name, but they surely don't act like Democrats. They've had a terrible record. In, and, you know, you might have seen them. This was the Scrooge film, but you might have missed the, the earlier bomb movie that they had, which was called Betrayal. The true story of how these two Democrat senators yeah. saved dark money and killed the For the People's Act, which was a fantastic piece of legislation, which, amongst other things, was going to stop anonymous dark money being spent in our politics. That's not going through either. These so-called Democrats are out there pretending that they are Democrats, but they're not. And I'll go through some of their uh, you know, shadier dealings with big oil and some of the other places they get money from. But it is also interesting today that at his uh, at Joe Manchin's houseboat, which is really not a houseboat, it's sort of a yacht, which where he lives in uh, D.C. That is nice protests with uh, people coming up in kayaks and, and smaller boats, going "Don't sink our healthcare," amongst other things. It's an interesting piece of information about uh, Manchin. He's this is a sixty-five foot houseboat or yacht. I mean, it's classified as a yacht because it's over forty feet, valued at seven hundred thousand dollars. He paid for it two hundred twenty thousand dollars because he got it on auction. 
but that's a steep discount, but it's actual value, $700,000, which is not bad for a guy who earns, what, 174000 a year. And oh. uh, his net worth is $6 million. That is the place, by the way, where all these deals apparently take place. All these senators and congressmen show up there and they negotiate these behind-the-scenes deals um, on that yacht. So it's famous for that. But this guy is not what you would call a typical Democrat. He's uh, regularly on the phone to uh, billionaires in a, you remember there was that leaked Zoom call where he's conferring with billionaires about the far left and the dangers of the far left. He apparently, according to AOC, huddles with Exxon every week because Democrats do that. They do, they, they must, I guess, uh, huddle with Exxon. And he's got a huge amount of money, $6 million you, you saw there was his total value in terms of his personal value. But there's a lot more money from family investments in coal and fossil fuels. So, I'll get into cinema in a second, but let's talk a little bit about Joe here. He's uh, why, why are we spending so much time giving him any attention? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? He likes he it. Wants it. He knows how yeah. to get it. He wants it. He loves it. Yeah. You know, this is the guy who, when Trump was in the office, remember, and he called, they were all doing the tax bullshit before. He was one of the few Democrats that, the, that Mitch McConnell knew to bring over to the swap over to the, to the Trump White House. And they were all, whatever they were talking about, this is when the Donnie Two Scoops uh, it came with, up with that, <laughs> with that uh, mob nickname for Donald, because the reporting was he had to have two scoops of ice cream, everybody else had one. Right. <laughs> John Manchin was obsessed with like, trying to figure out how to make a scoop of ice cream with like a big tablespoon that was hot and turn it into the shape of an egg. And he even like, Instagrammed it or whatever and videoed it. It was a duck. I don't think we're dealing with a very bright bulb here, number one. I get that, that everybody has to, for whatever reason, say all his colleagues, Democrats, have to all first, before they say anything critical about him or what he's doing in this moment, have to talk about he's their friend and they love him and he's a nice guy. This guy's so fucking fragile that everybody around him seems to know you have to pet his ego every 10 right. seconds right? or, you know, or he might blow shit up. I don't like that. He's been handed all this power, but that's because of our margin. I think we, you know, this is 2022 could not be more important. My God, do we have to just make these people insignificant with our numbers? Mm. It's kind of possible. It's going to be hard to do, but we got to go for it. But again, he's getting his money from the same corrupt forces as mm -hmm. the people that he uh, seems determined to vote along with, which is the GOP. He's not yeah. interested in being a Democrat. He's not. He, and just because you're in with disgusting sources of money and corrupt sources of money, that doesn't make you a centrist. And so he's conflating all of that as well by saying he's a centrist. He's not a centrist, guys. He's just a blue-ish, you know, he's got a little more purple to his red on the Republican side. He's, when your money's coming from the same place, it's a problem. It's a problem. That place is the Chamber of Commerce, you know, he gets a, which is a coke back com, um, right. chamber. So, you know, that's where he gets his money, I think. A lot of people say that. But you're right. He doesn't act like a Democrat. He doesn't act like a centrist. He's sort of on the edge there. And I think the, whoever is funding him is quite brilliant strategically, to get him in there as a Democrat, it's sort of, it's a nice fail safe. If the Republicans can kill something, then he'll do it. And he can sort of masquerade as a Democrat. And in reality, you know, kill 
the one bill that was going to save American democracy from the original sin of American democracy, which is that you know, we allowed corporate money into our election system. You know, he killed that. He's the one who killed it, him and cinema of all people. So, you know, you really have to question who he is, his morality, and also why he's there. And I do think it's that Coke money that's funding him at the end of the day. I think you have to look at, you know, we, we talk about Republicans and Democrats, and sometimes I think the tribalism gets to be a bit much. At this yeah. stage of the game, you really have to look at, look, are you for democracy or not? Mm-hmm. You either are or you're not. And this guy right now is not. He's playing for the bad guys. He's like the fact that he's on a fucking yacht mm-hmm. that's called Almost Heaven, West Virginia, like with, <laughs> with a John Denver nod as if, oh, we get it. You're so clever, Joe Manchin. Yeah. Right. The polling in his state indicates that I think something like between 70 and 80 something percent of the people wants you know, the, the infrastructure bill, because it's really going to help yeah. West Virginia and his constituents are not idiots. I mean, you know, as with Mississippi, West Virginia is a place that people make fun of that aren't from there, but there's plenty of really smart people in West Virginia who know what the fucking score is. This guy is yeah. not working for them. So, and, and it's often, you know, you hear that about him. Well, he's the only way a Democrat can get elected in uh, West Virginia. How do we know that's true? That's just a line. Mm-hmm. This guy is corrupt. I don't, you know, he is corrupt. He's, there's the, we haven't even mentioned the shit with his daughter and the EpiPen and all right. that. Oh my God. And look at him. He's an ugly man who thinks he's handsome, which I can't stand. I hate his fucking <laughs> face. He looks a little bit, he's a slightly <laughs> handsomer Mike Flynn. You know, uh, yeah. I don't want to look at his fucking ugly fucking face ever again. Like, really, he's <laughs> awful. Get off the TV, Joe Manchin. But he thinks he's wonderful. He thinks he's hot stuff. He thinks he's George fucking Clooney or something. And he ain't. That's what it's about. So, yeah, this guy is owned. He does what he's told. Nothing that he says makes any goddamn sense. I like when the media tries to like, well, you know, Manchin said this, but then he did this. Well, that's because he doesn't give a shit. He's just saying stuff. He doesn't have a position other than doing what his whoremasters tell him to do. That's his job. And he's done it effectively. He's done a really good job for them. So here's the other part of this. And it's, it's true for cinema as well. We are the part where we can come back to the party. Yes, it's Democrat. Are you for democracy or are you anti-democratic? That, that actually is it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. And, and one party is all in on anti-democratic and a drive towards fascism and authoritarianism. It just is. It's right. unfortunate, but it just is. There's a couple of exceptions in there, we think. And he and cinema are these actors inside of a, the other party that want to enable that. So when it becomes a party issue, it's like the messaging around the messaging around the 3.5 trillion is so poor, right? It's like yeah. it's a 10-year plan that's 350 billion a year. We can afford it. It's half of our defense budget, which we know from this point forward just got drastically reduced because we're not in a war in Afghanistan anymore, right? And it's yeah. like there's money for this. It's a totally doable thing, or it wouldn't it's have necessary. been put on the table. And it's necessary. It's so necessary. We have to do a big change right now. We just do have to do a big investment into our nation, into our like fucking America first, everybody. Look at these fuckers, right? Yeah, exactly. You know about that? Like, it's not the messaging for the Democrats around all of this from on the Hill and their ability to connect to the media that is friendly with them, which is not a lot, frankly, and connect with 
folks like us that have a voice in social media or are influencers in sort of what you would call political social media, even just specifically political Twitter, it's awful. It's a mess. That's the mess. You know, Republicans have been able to have a hive mind. They, they've been able to plug their brains into whatever the factory is that is churning out semantics and churning out the talking points and connecting those to kind of the agenda of the money behind them. And it's across their media. It's across their, it's across their social media platforms from the different actors that they've got, you know, is that are connected to the party. They all do it as a force, right? They, they're in sync. They know what roles they all play. There's an incredible coordination around all of it. And it's, and there's clear, clearly sort of think tanking behind all of that because they're not really interested in policy or realness or executing anything. They've just mastered the horseshit. That's what they've mastered. And they're connected to in within that also there's a radicalization element within that when it comes to the embrace of the white nationalism, the embrace of the domestic terrorism, the embrace of the anti-vax to get people, the embrace of all of this misery, all of this horribleness that they're just embracing because it's a way of consolidating power and it's a way of doing it's a path towards dismantling democracy itself. You would think that in the face of stakes like that, that the machine around the Democratic Party, right, for which these politicians find themselves in the halls of power, could get their shit together around the messaging. At the very least, get your shit together around the messaging and coordinating it. And instead, they snipe at one another Right. Or if there's any kind of coordination, they put out a really terrible semantic that loses us seats in the next election. Right. And so, you know, and this would be gaining us seats. Yeah, this, I mean, exactly. you've got the Republican Party basically opposing every sensible thing the government could ever do. I mean, everything from bridges to broadband to supporting child care, supporting. Exactly. It's like all the stuff that you'd really want to give people. Yeah, they really just want to be oligarchs. They really do. Yeah, so they don't care about they the just, they don't, you they're at done. all. They're done with democracy. You know, they're just done with it. It just didn't work out for them and their power the yeah. way they needed it to. They, they don't want to, you know, and so they've got the fear mongering. And got, it's all just very highly coordinated. It's connected to what we were saying before about the corruption happening and the gaming of our legal system so that we could overturn precedent it comes to our rights on October 2nd, tomorrow. Women will be marching again in the face of a pandemic. I hope we have a good turnout, but we'll be there marching and speaking towards what the, you know, this sort of vast anti-democratic and very uh, force out there, but also the specificity of Texas and that law and how it's looking to just go right through women's bodies as fascists always do and authoritarians always do and strong men always do, mm-hmm. right? It's always women's bodies. It's always LGBTQ. It's those rights are always on the front lines in a democracy. That's what the fascists have to roll through and roll over and strip and suppress. It's connected to the voting rights. It's all, this is a playbook and they have semantics for the playbook and the Democrats need a playbook for shoring up democracy and everyone needs to get on that page. And I refuse to believe there's not as much money out there 
to help fund that. You don't have to match the vast sums of money funding the other shit because mm. I know there's foreign money in there. And it, we probably there's a lot can't. of money. There's and more there's, money there. There's underworld money in there. The dark money. You don't have to match the dark money. You just have to match the what's required in to actually go toe-to-toe with them. And it's not a lot. It's not as much as you would think. We've got all these billionaires running around, these tech billionaires. And where are they? Where are these supposed liberal-minding gajillionaires <laughs> with all of their money? Great. We're going to get there where in a second. They? I want yeah, to make two points about, about messaging and the Democrats, okay? It's harder to message when you're trying to create something rather than destroy it. The GOP message is one of divisiveness. It's one of blame. It's one of riling up hate. It's really fucking easy to do that. If you're that lousy of a person and your entire fucking platform is about let's blame immigrants, let's blame the LGBTQ community, let's blame women. If that's your entire platform in your existence, it's really, really easy to get that message out. It's fucking dumb. You can understand it if you have a 65 IQ, right? It's Hmm. stupid. That's one of the reasons why these assholes are so good at messaging, because the message is idiotic, and they're idiotic, and the people that are soaping it up are idiotic. So when you create something, when you're providing hope, when you're providing plans, and you're actually trying to introduce meaningful legislation that will work That's much harder. You can see it like if you look at Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton, okay? Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders, so good at messaging. He really is. We're going to break up the banks. We need a minimum wage that's livable. But when it comes to actually, you know, doing anything, Bernie Sanders is useless. He's a scold and he's a, a, a machine that trots out these platitudes, okay? Hillary... The reason she lost, or one of them, is because she never condescended to people. She never condescended to the voters. If you asked her a question about, hey, what should we do about X? She would give you an intelligent, informative answer. So when you're trying to do that as a Democrat, which you're trying to do because you're actually trying to solve the fucking problems that we have, it's harder. It's harder to get the message out because the message itself is nuanced and difficult. Look at the vaccine thing. Okay, the anti-vax thing, the anti-mask thing, trying to equate it with freedom, that's a Neanderthal mentality that can understand that. To get to the point where you can grasp that you getting vaccinated is necessary to save everyone around you requires a higher level of thinking. It just does. Mm -hmm. A higher level of maturity. Yes, empathy, mature, all of these things. So it's not the same. The the message that they're trying to get out is not the same. They are basically, the GOP is some dumbass show on the networks, and the Democrats are the HBO show that wins the Oscars, or or the Emmys, rather, okay? That's the difference. Yeah, We're operating at a higher level of intellect and uh, purpose here. That's just the reality right now. I wish it wasn't the case. Didn't Mm. used to be this way. Republicans had lots of good ideas. Mm -hmm. until not that long ago, but they have abandoned this. This is all gone. The only thing left is voter suppression, tax cuts, and fear-mongering and hatred. And if that's all you have to do, really easy to get that message out. So, you know, it's harder for us. It just is. And that's, I want to at least say that. It's not the same thing. It's it's not an equal balance. 
Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.